Welcome to the Church in the Peak podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit churchinthepeak.org or come and join us at 10am every Sunday. And I want to pray for you, Steve. Lord, thank you for Steve. Thank you for his heart for you. And uh, as he speaks this morning, Lord, we don't want to be um, left unchanged either. So, Lord, would his words penetrate into our hearts that we would understand you more as a result of everything that he has to share now. Amen. Amen. Am I on? Oh, blimey, yeah. <laughs> Morning, all. Quite echoey. All good. Let's go for it. Fine. Um, so I'm going to go on a rant this morning. There's nothing you can do to stop me. So I'm here now. And then I'm going to challenge you all so you're genuinely going to hate me. <coughs> so it's good. Um, good to see you all. And so for those that know me, I think most of you know me by now. I work for BCM before Birmingham City Mission, um, uh, Christian charity in, in, in Birmingham. And we were so holy. <coughs> um, we <laughs> would start every day, they do, we, we, I would start every day in prayer and, and was shrouded by prayer, wouldn't pick up a pen without praying for the pen and we would um, have entire days of prayer and um, conversations, theological conversations, if you've never talked about Armenianism in the 17th century English church, you've never truly lived, I could preach on that next time and it's it was great. It was great to get that sort of real mix of my early sort of Christian walk and, and sort of an, an interdenominational Christian organization to really learn, you know, everything that's, that's kind of going on out there. But ultimately, it all comes back to Jesus, doesn't it? You know, it's the same Jesus, just some offshoots along the way. And then I started here. God brought me here. And we don't talk about 17th century Armenianism in the English church. Um, it was really different. And we weren't sort of, it, it's, it's kind of, did a, a handover with Sarah. And it was a bit of a whirlwind, and now here we are, and, and it's fantastic, and I do love this place. It's a real blessing to, to kind of be here. And, and then I met Emily. <clears throat> I have genuine permission, by the way, <laughs> to do this. Um, Emily is our, um, was our um, children's and youth worker, um, who's absolutely wonderful. And Oh my goodness, heckling already, so that's fine. <laughs> Um, just wait till I really get into this. Um, Emily's first question to me was, you know, not about faith or not about Christ or not about, you know, how, how are you? What number are you? What number are you? Right? Well, I'm 41. I don't, what do you mean? Emily is obsessed, quite literally obsessed with Enneagram tests. And Enneagram tests are a type of sort of personality profile that put you into a certain slot. I'm a two. So I found out I was a two. I took this test home and I did it in my own personal time and then sent it back. And Emily went, ugh, I hate twos. (laughs) 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 Genuinely, like, oh, no, ugh, two. Like I was was actual piece of two. (laughs) And um, do, do you know why Emily hates twos? They're too kind. That's not a thing, is it? Right? That's genuinely not a thing. So I'm fuming inside. This is my whole life. I'm absolutely full of anger, but I can't show it because I'm a two. So I went home and I said to Helen, Helen, guess what Emily said? I'm a two. Like, I'm too kind. How does two kind work? Uh, Helen didn't care. So I thought, right, I know what I'll do. I'll get my Bible out. That'll show Emily. And I went in the following day in my most condescending voice and says, the Bible says be kind, but don't be too kind. It doesn't say that. 
So we've had this battle. Last night, by the way, I wasn't even going to add this in. Last night, we had an argument about Spider-Man being a two. (laughs) 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 Genuinely, like we had a um, WhatsApp battle. So Emily is obsessed with this thing. I'm a two. You can't be too kind, by the way. I'm going to get into that in a, in a, in a bit. But it, it, it's fascinating that it really sort of separates you. We're all different, aren't we? We're all fearfully and wonderfully made. We're all very different. We know that. We, know we all have different characteristics, different personalities, different backgrounds, things that shape us along the way. One thing we do know is that we're all free in Christ, right? But we are all very different. It's quite a fascinating thing that's been spinning around in my head, hence the, the reason for this, really. This has been kind of brewing for a while. Um... <coughs> But then Emily was proved right. <laughs> so one day a woman came into the church and, you know, work in a church building. The idea was to invite people into church, right? Be all holy. And I did. Because that's what I've always been called to do. My, my, my rule was don't send anyone away worse than they came. And if I always stick by that rule, that's brilliant, right? I'm thinking, yeah, brilliant. So this woman came in and I served her a cup of tea and she was a bit disheveled and, and, and worse for wear. And I helped and, you know, it was fantastic. And I think, oh, brilliant, praise the Lord. And she kept coming back. That's fine as well, but then she kept coming back at inappropriate times, so times when we've got other groups in the building. And then she came back when Emily was here. (laughs) Emily took great pleasure in messaging me, saying, this is what you get for being too kind. (laughs) (laughs) The following week, a guy came in, and um, again, you know, a bit disheveled, a bit worse for wear, but we're a church. It's fantastic that people are making the choice to come to a church first. He was a little bit more sort of, you know, maybe aggressive, maybe a little bit um, under the influence. And I helped him with, with, you know, several different things. But ultimately, I was trying to get him out of the building for everyone's safety and and all that sort of stuff. So trying to sort of safeguard it. It was only me here. I think Zed might have been here as well. Um, So I went home. I I explained to Helen, this is what happened. Helen said, did you tell him about Jesus? No, I was trying to get him out of the building. (laughs) Did you pray for him? It sounds like he needs prayer. Oh my goodness. So I have this battle constantly in my heart about living for Christ, about trying to do the right thing, about trying to evangelize in the best way that we can, about showing love, whilst also following safeguarding procedure and those things. You know, the Bible doesn't talk about safeguarding procedure, but we do have to, I don't, unless I haven't seen it yet. We, we do have to, don't we? And it's a real, genuinely for me, I don't know if anyone else feels this way, but it's a genuine life battle. How do we live for Christ in the best way we possibly can? And preach the word and show love, but also protecting everyone. Because actually some of that stuff goes against the world and goes against some of those safeguarding procedures. I'm not going to preach about us all doing ridiculously stupid things. But yeah, it, it is a genuine battle. I'm going to give myself palpitations or something, constantly thinking about it. It's not easy. We know that we're called to love everyone. We're called to help. We're called to serve. We're called to give. And ultimately we're called to tell people about Jesus, to tell people about the gospel message, the message that has changed our lives, the message that sets us free. But we're too worldly, aren't we? We're too busy. We think we're too important. Maybe, dare I say it, we're too entitled. I've got my salvation. I'm all right. Praise the Holy Spirit. It's fantastic. I don't care about anyone else knowing it, or I don't know how to do that. Or, and it's, you know, that's not a guilt trip. It's just that is what we're called to do, and it's really hard. We are called to be the beacons. We are called to be the light of the world. Steve, the Holy Spirit will do it. Yeah, absolutely he will, through us. That's right. The Holy Spirit will do it through us. And that's, you know, if you look at biblical descriptions of that, we are the ones that have now been granted that gift to go out there and tell the world and show the world. 
But we're all so different. And you're thinking, whatever, Steve. <laughs> Neil told me last week that there's nothing I can do to add to that salvation. Ah. And you're right. Salvation is salvation. So Neil spoke beautifully last week about the gospel message 101, the Easter story. Jesus died for our sins. His blood on the cross is, is what saved us. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. As Neil says, it's Jesus plus. Oh, that's really, I'm going again. It's Jesus plus. Absolutely Jesus plus nothing. There's nothing we can do to add to that. We can't buy a place in heaven. We can't buy a better seat in heaven. Maybe. Depends on how you look at scripture. <laughs> but our place in heaven is paid for. That is in the bank. That is done. But now we've got a next calling, haven't we? What does that look like for us? And Jesus talks. It's got, sorry. We're a spirit-filled church. We're a spirit-filled church that teaches salvation is by grace through faith correctly as well. That's it. Any church that teaches differently is incorrect. Nothing more we can do. Nothing we can do to make God love us any more. Nothing we can do to make God love us any less. Once we believe and we repent, our salvation is paid for. It's done. But there is a calling following that. Here's what Jesus says. You know Jesus, the guy we were singing about? (laughs) The Great Commission. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples. Should we go microphone? Okay. Okay. Start again. <laughs> so I met Emily. <laughs> no, joking, joking, I'm not going back. <laughs> Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We're disciples. The moment with Christians is just a word. Christians used to be an insult, actually. Christians is just a word. We are now disciples of Christ. We are, once you become a new believer, once you become a follower of Christ, you are a disciple. It's not just the original 12. We are all disciples, and we all have a calling. The Great Commission is for us as well. That's why it went from 12 people to, how many is it now? Half the world? Three billion? It's gone from that because of us, because of the Holy Spirit in us. It hasn't stopped the Great Commission hasn't stopped. It's not like, oh, okay, yeah, we've got to this stage. I'm sound. It hasn't stopped. It continues. It's literally Jesus' words to us. We have a calling to follow the Great Commission. This isn't Old Testament scripture. This isn't Old Covenant laws or legalisms. This is Jesus' words to us. Our salvation is paid for, done, in the bank. We are now called to follow the Great Commission. How do we do this? And, and actually, why? So at the end of the Great Commission, Jesus talks about following his commands. Jesus has many commands for us, but in the Gospels, he says, Love the Lord God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, humanly, actually, if you look at that phrase, that doesn't make sense. 
how can you love something with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind, and then love that other thing as well when you've devoted your life fully to that one thing? If you devote your life fully to God, you pray to God, you live for God, you do all those things, and then also love him as well in exactly the same way. Well, that's the Holy Spirit. If you do the first one, and you love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and devote our lives to him, and surrender our lives to him on a regular basis, the Holy Spirit allows the second one to flow in us. We're not called to do this ourselves, are we? These aren't human choices. It doesn't make sense to actually go out and do it. We devote our lives to God, and the Holy Spirit gives us the power and the ability to do the second one. I can't just love my neighbor because they aggravate me. Actually, our neighbor's all right. <laughs> but I can with God. I can't do these normal human things. These, we're not called to do it. We're not meant to do it. He doesn't ask us to do it. We're not good enough. The Holy Spirit does it. Emily was right about one thing. One thing. <laughs> not the spider Well, actually, the Spider-Man thing is two things. <clears throat> We're all different. We're all dramatically different. So actually, for us to then say, we've all got to be out there preaching the word. We've all got to be in the middle of the park, giving it the beans about Jesus. Yeah, come on. Well, it doesn't work that way because we're all so different. We all have dramatically different personalities. Some of us are introvert, introverts. Some of us are introverts. Some of us are extroverts. Some of us are better communicators. Some of us are more practical. We're all dramatically different people, aren't we? We've had different upbringings. We may have you know, different financial conditions or different home lives. We're all different. And that collective actually comes together to make a collaborative church. We all have different skills to offer in order to be a church, be a church for Christ, to go out there and tell people about Christ. And that looks different in different ways. Some people are going to be fierce evangelists. And in fact, I read recently... Um, it, was a, it was a Facebook post by a guy, and I absolutely loved it, that some of the fiercest evangelists that he knows are the little old ladies that make the tea. And when people ask them why, they say it's because of Jesus. Some of the fiercest warriors for Christ are the little old ladies. If that doesn't make you think of Betty, it's only because you don't know Betty well enough. <laughs> when I grow up, I want to be Betty. Fierce warriors for Christ. I absolutely I love her. I'm going to cry. We were all different. That's the collaboration. And then you've got people serving, you've got people greeting, you've got people singing, you've got people hosting, you've got people praying. None of our gifts or skills are any better or any worse than anyone else's. It comes together as a collaborative unit to make a church. Ah, Love Betty. (laughs) Now, while Emily is right about one thing, I do have permission to this to tell her she's wrong. (laughs) And I will actually proceed it by saying that Emily, um, who ran the youth afternoon on Tuesday afternoon, which was unfortunate, I was unfortunate enough to have to help with, has the patience of a saint with it because there's loads of kids screaming and running around and it's horrible. Um, but she's, she is adamant, she has this heart that people need that safe space. That's Emily's gift. She'll moan about other people's gifts, but that is her gift. She wants a safe space for the youth in the community to actually come and have that place of of help and rest and be able to talk and just have fun. And that's Emily's gift, whether she she likes it or not. She has one. I'm sure she has more, but I I didn't see them. (laughs) (laughs) What she's wrong about, though, and I will absolutely point blank defend this, is that you can't be too kind. You can't be too loving. 
You can't be too patient. You can't be too forgiving. She's looking at me as if to say, yeah, you can. <laughs> you can't have too much self-control, and you can't have too much joy. The fruits of the Spirit, you can't have too much of them. That's mental. <laughs> and we don't, it's not the sort of joy that an American air stewardess has, this fake smile. It's joy <laughs> from the power of the Holy Spirit. I can't do patience on my own. I can't do kindness on my own. I can't do forg- I definitely can't do forgiveness on my own. Forgiveness is the most unnatural human emotion going, isn't it? It doesn't make sense. I've probably bored you this before, but if I had the Christian contracts, the good old-fashioned Christian contracts, it's not a thing. And at the bottom, you know, I pray, brilliant, read my Bible, sing, yeah. And at the bottom of that, forgive everyone. <laughs> really? Am I going to sign that? I can't do that. But I can with the power of the Holy Spirit. I can't do any of this. We can't do any of this without the power of the Holy Spirit. Imagine what our lives would look like, what the church looked like if we lived radical lives for Christ. Radical doesn't necessarily mean you have to stand in the middle of the park screaming about Jesus. Sarah Erlen would do that. It's fine. Leave her to it. <laughs> I, do I, it, it is true, yeah. It wasn't wasn't an insult. How about radical patience? We're called to look differently to the world. Dave recently described it as looking alien to the world. Radical patience that intrigues non-Christians. The type of patience where they need to know why we're like that. Radical forgiveness. Is there someone in your life that you can't forgive? Maybe even someone in this church. Humanly, we're taught and we're, we're described for vengeance. Karma. Ha! that person will get it in the end. That's not what we're taught to do. That's not what Jesus tells us to do. And in fact, forgiveness is a massive one because the whole point of Jesus is to forgive us for our sins. If we can't then go out there with the power of the Holy Spirit and forgive everyone else, we've done something wrong. Or we haven't got it yet. Or we're not cutting into Scripture well enough. Imagine how we'd look to the world if we had radical forgiveness. Radical faith. Anyone pray at certain times during the day and then forget God for 23 and a half hours a day? Some do. We have the God slot. <laughs> the type of faith that you don't just pray for something once or someone once. We pray continuously to our God. The type of faith where you desire to learn more about God's word, not just at set times. And in fact, as I talk about fierce warriors for Christ and little old ladies, the revival started by three little old ladies praying relentlessly. Radical faith. You want something to happen? Live radically. Radically is not a negative word. Radically just means over and above. Over and above. And if you ever think about why, this all came from, me and Helen heard a talk um, for a church that we watch online, Gas Street Church, and we're watching Tim Hughes, and we've been watching it sort of since the beginning of lockdown. And and Tim Hughes is a sort of modern worship leader who um, sings, you know, sort of Bethel, type music, hands in the air, and he was having a conversation, I think it was with a, an organ player, and they were having this argument, heated discussion, about the best way to worship Christ. And Tim was like, well, it's, it's hands in the air, it's community, it's, it's, it's corporate worship, yeah. And the hymn writer was, the, the old sort of organ grinder was, was, was organ grinder, organ player. <laughs> that's, that's a different thing. <laughs> The old organ player was, you know, it's the old hymns, the beautiful poetic words in the old hymns. That's what it is. And they were having this heated discussion, and they came to the conclusion. 
the best way to worship Christ is to live a life that worships Christ. We can preach, we can, we can sing, and we can worship on a Sunday morning. We're called to do so, and it gives me so much joy, and we can worship all the time. But the best way to worship Christ is to live a life that worships Christ. Because here, together, hopefully we're all saved Christians. If you're not, come and see us. But out there in the world, that's where we're called to live that life that worships Christ. Because that's where we look different. This morning we were talking about being beacons, being lighthouses, being the light for the world and all those sort of things, these gifts that the Holy Spirit has given to us. We cannot do this and we're not meant to do this on our own. That's not the idea. Use the Holy Spirit. Live radical lives for Christ because that's what will fill the church. That's what will make us have to get new venues. That's what will bring new people into this building to know God's salvation. The Holy Spirit will do it. Yeah, he will through you, through me. The Holy Spirit absolutely will do it. Let's be fierce warriors for Christ. Let's be Bettys. (laughs) She also hates me now because she's looking at me. (laughs) Amen. We need to respond, don't we? And uh, so uh, Steve's come back. Oh, we've... The whole band have come back. That's good. Um, Yeah, we need to respond. So um, I want to invite you to stand and um, just let God challenge you. There's areas that we all have that are less than God would want. And um, that might be the kind of things that have been raised in the, the words and the pictures that have been shared uh, through the morning. It might be something else that God is wanting to just put his finger on. And um, as he does, let him deal with it. Because he wants to change us. And he wants to change those around us. Steve. Yeah, let's stand together. So uh, I, I just get the feeling God's talking to the whole church about about being brave. Okay, we started off with you make me brave. I just feel like you know if we want to have an impact, if we want to see people saved, we can. We, we don't have to be too kind. We can just speak the truth in love, because God's truth has power to change lives. Let's sing this. You make me brave.